things of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give opportunity for us to gather, to worship, to sing the gospel and to hear it from you, from your word. God, I pray that as we gather this morning, we would see your faithfulness and your call to ours in return. God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I love narrative pieces of scripture. I love storytelling. And so I want to look at the four people that we see in these few verses this morning. Four people focusing on three different moments so that we might hear how we can start to process and take what we hear in the month of December just about every year and move that out into the rest of the year as we think about how we as the church can be a part of what God is doing in and around us in this new year. Four people in three moments I want to look at. First, I want to look at Mary and Joseph. And I want to see the clear calling out of Mary and Joseph's faithful obedience to the Word of God. Their faithful obedience. Second, I want to look at Simeon, our next character, and examine his faithful contentment in the promises of God. His faithful contentment. And last, I want to look at Anna. I want to see how she faithfully proclaimed the Messiah and how that poured out of a heart that had seen the salvation of God. Mary and Joseph, Simeon, and Anna. Let's look first at Mary and Joseph, starting in verse 21. 
we're going to see that being a part of what God is doing starts with a faithful obedience to the word of God. Look at Mary and Joseph. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Just think for a minute, if you will, about what the last few months for Mary and Joseph had been. Uh, To say that it was a relaxing and easy time would be a lie. It was a time full of difficulty and anxiety and hardship, far beyond what would be asked of anyone even in this day. We can go all the way back to the uneasiness, even if faithful trusting in God, still the anxiety that goes all the way back to the proclamation that you're going to have a child. That is a nerve-wracking announcement to hear. That is something that shakes you up a little bit and makes you start thinking about your life. And there's an anxiety that goes with that. And they walked in faith with God, but that certainly wasn't easy. And then, just as the baby is about to be born, newsflash, you have to leave your home and travel to Bethlehem because the government wants to count people. And so get up and go there during this difficult season. There's not going to be anywhere to stay. There's not going to be a comfortable place. The baby might come. Congratulations, you get to stay in a stable. Good luck with that. In the middle of, man, the baby just got here and isn't exciting. Finally, we might be able to rest. Some dirty shepherds from out in the fields come running in to start singing and praising and telling everybody exactly where you are where your baby is before you can tell anybody anything. That's hard. It's a hard time. This has been difficult. And just when we think they would have a moment, and certainly in a time when we all would probably cut them in a little slack and say, hey, take some time for yourself. Figure this being a parent thing out. Relax a little bit. There are all sorts of things that the law of the Lord is calling them to do. We see right here, A a part of scripture where we would look at people and no doubt, with no fault, we would say, hey, Mary and Joseph, if you kind of, man, if you kind of take some time to figure this out, that'd be okay. But they don't do that. In fact, they are eagerly faithful to what God is calling them to do. Here in this passage, we see a couple different rituals in Jewish law all kind of wrapped up into just a couple verses. There's the ceremony of the circumcision eight days after the child is born. And then very quickly, we jump into two different ceremonies. First, a ceremony of purification and then a ceremony of presentation, right? So Mary and Joseph are, uh, by Jewish law, they're unclean, right? There are lots of things in Jewish law that might make you unclean, touching a dead body or coming into contact with somebody or, or you yourself having an open wound. Blood made somebody unclean and We know that the birthing process is a difficult one that certainly introduces a lot of that. And so Mary and Joseph would have been ritualistically unclean. And so there is a season where they would separate themselves from anybody else. They wouldn't go near anybody else because they needed to have that time away so that they could purify themselves and then come back to the temple. And so we see here they're at the end of that 33 days of separation And now they're presenting themselves back to be purified before the Lord and then also to present the child. This is our firstborn. 
This is the firstborn of Mary. She is, he is, she is to present him in the temple to the Lord and dedicate him, as was the law, to the service of the Lord. She is faithfully and without hesitation obeying the word of God. Probably all of us would grant them a little bit of slack given how difficult the last few months would have been to say, listen, do this in your time. Do this when you can. We know it's hard. and Maybe they haven't even been home back to Nazareth. They're still in Bethlehem trying to figure this out. And hey, you don't even get to go home before you come back to, who knows? What? Man, take your time. It's okay. But Mary and Joseph say, no, we are going to eagerly, faithfully obey the word of God. Luke really wants us to understand. He really wants us to catch that they are being faithfully obedient. Because in three times in this short passage from verses 21 to 40, three times he tells us just how obedient they are. He starts with it in verse 21. They were, they were doing all the things that they were called to do. And even all the way to the end in verse 40, it says, when they had done all that the law had required of them, Mary and Joseph were faithfully obedient. And that prepared their hearts for what was about to happen. I think if you and I are going to join in to what God is going to do in our lives in this new year, it has to start in our hearts with a desire to be faithfully obedient to the Word of God. We so often set expectations for what a new year might hold, even setting expectations for what God might do. Sometimes that's a good thing. We expect God to work, and God is certainly going to do that. We want to see great big things happen, and we want to see God do those great big things, but often we forget the routine that happens every day when we prepare our hearts for that work in obedience. We can't expect God to do big things in our life if we're not willing to be obedient to the little things that he called us to do every single day. Mary and Joseph were obedient. They followed God. They did exactly what they were called to do when they were called to do it, and it put them in the temple at just the right time when they would receive a blessing from Simeon and see an amazing proclamation from Anna. They were in the place they should be. Their hearts were prepared for what they would hear because they were obedient to God. What does obedience for us look like in the new year? What does obedience look like for me and for you as individuals in this new year? That's going to be a little bit different from, for all of us, but certainly we could say that God might be calling us to more faithful attendance. God might be calling us to more faithfully lead our families. God might be calling us to more faithful giving. God might be calling us to more faithful prayer. Students, God might be calling you to gather your friends together and in a time and a place every single morning so that you can start your day in prayer for your friends, for your teachers, and your schools. God might be faithfully calling us to spend time praying and fasting and pointing our hearts in the direction of God. Maybe God is calling us to faithfully trust him in the way that we speak and the language that we use. Maybe God is calling us to be faithfully obedient in who we share the gospel with. There's lots of places God might be calling us to be faithfully obedient. 
If we want to if we want to see God do big things, if we want to be a part of where God is working, it starts in our heart with faithful obedience. It starts with us pointing ourselves in the direction of God and saying, God, I'm going to do whatever you call me to do when you call me to do it. If we want to be a part of what God is and will do, it starts with the faithful obedience that we see in Mary and Joseph. It puts them in the place they need to be when they need to be there. And then they encounter these two other people, two other people in Scripture that have a very unique quality. These are, are people, Simeon and Anna, who we're to understand through, the, through the, the context of the Scripture have been faithfully obedient for a very long season in their life. I want to look at Simeon and Anna, and I want to see what a faithful obedience in our hearts leads to. As we look at Simeon, we're going to see that faithful obedience, this is hard, leads to a faithful contentment. A faithful contentment. Look at verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary in the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel." Outside of this passage, we, we don't know much, if anything, about this guy Simeon. But the passage tells us a whole lot. First, we see that he is a righteous man. In, in, in this context, a lot of times when we read the New Testament, the idea of being righteous is an idea of having a good relationship horizontally. So, so righteousness a lot of times points to the idea that people have good reputation, they treat, love, and care for the people around them as God would call them to do. They have a righteousness in the way that they're pointing themselves towards each other. Simeon, having lived a long life, I think we're to understand that he would have been long waiting, right? He has been told, hey, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, and this is a thing that he's known for a while. Trust God, and he leads uh, it, it leads him to, to care for people, love on people, and point himself towards people in a righteous way. He had built a life and a reputation of loving people well. He's righteous, he's devout. If righteous kind of points towards the, the horizontal relationship that we have with other people, devout is a, is a word that can point itself vertically. He did the things that faith called him to do. He was obedient to the word of God, he would have been looked at as an example of one who follows the law and does what God calls him to do. He is somebody that would have been marked out by his devoutness. And then we see in a very unique way that the Spirit was on him. The Spirit was on him. This is a unique attribute for, for those who lived before Acts chapter 2. Right, that the Spirit would be on somebody is a unique thing, that it was there for a purpose, and it, it was there for him throughout his life, it seems, so that it could lead him and guide him. 
And we're, we're seeing kind of the context clues point us to the idea that he is allowing his life to be led by the Spirit in both the great big things that he's doing and the very small things that he does. He, he hears from the Spirit, you're not going to die. I'm going to give you time on this earth until you see the Messiah that I've promised. That's a big thing. To know that my life is going to go on and that nothing can end my life because God has me in his hands and I'm not going to pass until I see his Messiah. That's a big picture part of his life. But then what does it say? Under the movement of the Spirit, he went to the temple. So, so he has this big part of his life where he's like, I know that, that my days will go on until God gives me what he's promised me. But also in the day in and day out routine today, I feel like it's time for me to go to the temple. The Spirit is going to move me in that direction. He trusts the Spirit in both the big and the small. And so in trusting the Spirit and being obedient to the Spirit, he is moved into the place where he needs to be for God's promises to be fulfilled. Brings him to the temple, and there in the temple, Mary and Joseph and Jesus walk in. And the response is, is a, as a parent, would be a little bit shocking but it's unbelievably wonderful reading it here. Simeon saw Jesus, saw Mary, saw Joseph. I got to imagine he didn't kind of waltz his way over there, but ran to see the baby and, and in the terror of every parent, snatched the baby out of Mary's arms and begins to probably sing a song and worship God. I mean, any parent in here would be okay with your month-and-a-half-old baby just being snatched up by a weird man who starts singing? I'd be a little bit off-put by that. And then hear his words. And if you're worried when he just snatches, and then you hear his words and what he says, God, I've seen this kid. I'm ready to die. What? Not with my baby, you're not. Come on back here. No. God. You fulfilled your promise. God, right here in this child, I have seen what you promised me I would see. I'm good. And it's a little bit weird, but hear the contentment in that. God, whatever, whatever comes my way, I'm okay. I've seen Jesus. I've seen the Messiah you've promised. I've seen the hope that you have for all people. I'm okay. Whatever happens from now on, I'm good. Do we look in our life through faithful obedience to build that same contentment? Or do we spend a lot of time in our life wanting Jesus and something else? Do we want Jesus and just a little bit more wealth? Do we want... Jesus and a strong, growing career? Do we want Jesus and a great reputation and fame among people? Do we want Jesus and just a little bit more comfort? Simeon throws all of that out of the water. He says, I don't want it. I've seen Jesus and anything else I'm okay with. God, if you take me home in this minute, I'm good. Because everything my life has been about, it's right here. And that's all that I need. And this faithful obedience to God, this following of the Spirit, led him to a place where he could look at Jesus and have a deeper understanding of the world. I love his words. 
even if they don't feel full of joy. We like to talk about Christmas joy. Simeon's words start with joy, but they don't end there. He, he points towards the joy of seeing the salvation of God in this child, but then he turns and looks at Mary. And he says this, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the rise and fall of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. Simeon understands not just that salvation is in this child. He understands what that salvation will mean. He has followed the Spirit closely enough to know that the life that is ahead of this little baby is not one that's easy. And the life of anybody who would follow this child is not going to be easy either. He is to be opposed. Mary, you need to hear that this child will reveal the hearts of Israel, and it's going to hurt. It's going to feel like your own heart has been pierced with a sword because his heart will be. That's the reality. But here's what I want us to hear. The contentment that exists in Simeon because of his faithful obedience is not just a contentment when times are good. It's not just a contentment when everything is playing out as it's supposed to. It is a contentment that exists even when life is hard. What was Simeon looking forward to? Israel's consolation. Israel's comfort. He knew, and just like Israel has been through some hardship, this child will walk through even more. Just as we have suffered and been slaves because of our own sin, this child who will know no sin will experience all of that for us. Mary, you need to know that there is a contentment in following him, but it is a hard, hard contentment. What did he see? Israel's consolation, Israel's comfort. Are we willing to be content in following God, whatever that might bring? Are we willing to be obedient to build that contentment regardless of what his obedience might bring to our life? Are we willing to lay aside our desires, our wants, so that we could be led fully and completely by the Spirit so that we could say this year, I've met Jesus I've known his salvation, the salvation of the Lord, and whatever else comes my way, in that I am content. In that I am pleased. Simeon shows us that the obedience in following the Lord leads to a faithful contentment. Anna walks alongside this and shows us that that faithful contentment, that goodness that we see in Jesus, that faithful obedience, leads to a faithful proclamation. Look at the story of Anna. There was also a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well known or well along in years, having lived with her husband several years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption 
of Jerusalem. Here's what we know about Anna. Her life had probably not been easy either. She had certainly, I, I think we can assume, married very young. It says that she lived with her husband for seven years after she got married. Then her husband died and she had lived as a widow for another 84 years. She is along in years. We could maybe, I think, possibly easily say she's over 100 years old and she spent the last 84 years of her life faithfully serving God in the temple, it says. She was there so much, they said, Anna is here night and day serving the Lord with fasting and with praying. She had devoted herself to the service of God. Her life could have gone a different way. It could have been one where she got angry no prospects to take care of herself, married so young and then widowed so early. But instead, she devoted herself to obedience to God. She was faithful to him because God is faithful to us. She was content with the life that God had for her, serving him where she had called him to serve. She was looking forward to what God had promised. Here, the redemption of Jerusalem. I think Luke wants us to connect what we read in verse 25 to what we read in verse 38. Simeon was looking forward to Israel's consolation. Anna was speaking to everyone who I think probably is like her, looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Luke is no fool. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to hear exactly what the prophet Isaiah is saying. Hear what chapter 52, verse 9 and 10 says in Isaiah. Be joyful, rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has displayed his holy arm in the sight of all nations. The ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. Isaiah says God is going to bring comfort and redemption to his people. And Simeon is longing for the comfort that would come with the salvation of God. And, and Anna is looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is a, a small picture of the old covenant people right here in Anna and Simeon. Those who followed God trusted that he would send a Messiah, that he would send salvation. And in this child and in the proclamations of Simeon, Anna hears the good news that hope has shown up. It's here. Salvation has arrived and it's not a thing. It's not a political party that's going to rise up and drive out the Roman oppressors. It's not some new government. Hope, salvation, it's a person. It's Jesus. And so she starts running around the temple, proclaiming the good news. The Messiah, he's here. He's right over there. Hope for righteousness has come. Do you need comfort? Have your sins or the, the struggles and trials of life beaten you down and you need somebody to pick you up? The comfort of Israel is right there. Are you faced with the struggles and the trials and the temptations of the sin of the world that we fall into every day? Do you need salvation even from yourself? The redemption of Jerusalem, he's right there. 
follow him. It's a person. And it's not, it's not a new thing that's going to take over. It is a thing that is going to change our hearts. A little boy who would grow to be a man, who would live a perfect life, who would show us what it means to follow after and be a part of the kingdom of God. And then he would take upon himself the death that we deserve so that we might have the life that he lived, so that we could live in perfection as he has called us to do, that we might have our sin defeated once and for all. This is what Anna was proclaiming. And this is what you and I have been called to proclaim. Anna had been looking forward to this moment all her life, 84 years serving God. She wasn't about to waste any time telling anybody about it. And unfortunately, I can speak for myself, I often get more excited about telling people other stuff. We might be more excited right now about telling people what our New Year's resolutions are than we are telling them about the salvation that God has brought to us through His Son, Jesus. I hope and I pray that for myself there is a deeper commitment. Hope and pray for us as a church there is a longing for faithful obedience that would be content in what God brings our way and an excitement poured out of that to proclaim to the world the good news that hope has come. And hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. We have in Mary and Joseph an example of what it means to be faithfully obedient to the word of God, even when it wouldn't be easy. We have in Simeon an example of what it means to be faithfully content with knowing him and nothing else. We have here in Anna an example of what it means to faithfully proclaim with excitement the good news of Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do with that? How are we going to allow those things to pour deep into our heart that we might be faithfully obedient, faithfully content, and faithfully proclaim the good news of salvation? I think that's the call from the text today to point ourselves in more faithfulness towards God. And I think it's an awesome thing at the beginning of a new year to celebrate and to worship and to commit ourselves as a church to these things. And what a wonderful thing it is that we get to do that by together taking the Lord's Supper. By in our hearts pointing ourselves in prayer to God, remembering through the Lord's Supper His body that was broken and His blood that was poured out for us. Here in just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to gather around the table together. The new year gives us opportunity to start thinking back and start looking ahead. So there, I think, is no better way to do that than with the Lord's Supper. Will you hear the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 today? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance 
of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as an outward sign of a commitment that we are making known to God today. I'm going to ask just to spend some time in prayer. Take some time as uh, Zach comes and plays softly. We'll just spend some time in prayer. Perhaps God has laid on your heart some way that you need to hand to him a commitment to more faithful obedience. Maybe there's a way in your life you've seen, you've seen this morning, I haven't been content in my relationship with God and God alone. Maybe you would say, I know that God is calling me to more faithfully proclaim the word. I'm going to ask that you spend just a few moments in prayer. Maybe that's prayer by yourself. Maybe that's prayer alone just between you and God. Or maybe that's prayer in your family where you commit to these things as a family and say, as a family, we are going to be more about what God is doing this year. Allow me to pray for us as we begin. Father, your word is, is unbelievable. God, it's so awesome that it, it moves and works in our heart and that your spirit can guide us into hearing it. Now this morning we've seen a call to be faithfully obedient, faithfully content, and to faithfully proclaim your good news. And we get to celebrate by remembering the death that your son died on the cross and the life that he gives to us through his resurrection is why we get to do those things. And I pray that you would reveal in our hearts what it looks like for us to follow you in this new year. And I pray that we would open our hearts to whatever you're laying before us. If there is sin in our hearts, God, I pray that this morning we would get it right with you, that we would lay it on the altar. God, if there is a wrong that we've done, God, that we would lay that out before you. God, as we take these elements, we would be more committed to you. And we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.